Welcome to the RE and Friends Podcast, a Red Max Events audio experience. Hosted by Brandon Havrilla, owner of Red Max Events. Thank you for checking out our podcast where we bring in event industry professionals to discuss current events, share their knowledge, and explore ideas. Follow Brandon Havrilla on his entrepreneurial journey on Instagram at Brandon Havrilla and see what Red Max Events is up to by following at Red Max underscore events. And now, it's the episode you've all been waiting for. Hey, podcast, welcome back. And today I have a very special guest. I have Jason Nelson, also known as the essential Jason Nelson, correct? Correct. How are you doing? Doing well. Doing well, thanks. Uh, busier than ever, which uh, I didn't think I would be, but there's <laughs> always more to do. Um, so keeping to-do lists are definitely the way to go. Uh, and the past four days now have just been a blur just because of I've laid out everything that I want to get done. Mm -hmm. um, so because of that, I feel like I've been a lot more productive. That's good. Yeah. And I got to work on that myself because I've, I've got, like you said, so much to do busier than ever, but none of it has deadlines. So it's yeah. like, I'm, I'm like, okay, yeah, I got to get all this done, but like, I don't know, tomorrow, next week, I, <laughs> whatever, you know? So it's like weird. Exactly. But um, for sure, man. And, and yeah, schedule has been filling up quickly between this podcast and videos. And then, you know, I was doing TikToks for a while and those like got put to the side, but I want to like keep putting those out. It's like, you know, it's a lot to, uh, to manage for sure. I'm, yeah, I'm the same way. I was going hard at TikTok for like four to five days straight, like trying to put out three to four videos a day. Right. Um, and I was seeing some good results with it. Not crazy results, but a little micro, you know, 100 to 1,000 views here and there. Um, but then I got a pretty big noise complaint email from my <laughs> landlord that said that um, even during non-quiet hours, I can't play, you know, loud music anymore. So what I was doing, um, because I'm in the process of buying an audio interface, is I was streaming the audio out of my speaker and then recording mm -hmm. just the live audio right. um so because of that it was really loud with my ev speaker going through the floor and the ceiling and the walls and everything <laughs> in my uh pretty thin wall apartment um so kind of have to quiet that down a bit for sure so we talked briefly about music and stuff but let's take a step back and uh tell us a little bit more about you know what you do with music and uh how you got started Sure. So I play the sax and piano for um, all things events in the tri-state area. So I primarily do weddings. Um, I do bar mitzvah, bar and bat mitzvahs too. Um, and I do solo and I also finance my services to a lot of the DJ companies around the tri-state area because I love working with as many as I can. Um, I just love the diversity diversity of it. Every company has a different appeal to them, and it, it's it's kind of cool going from uh, you know a corporate event in the city to let's say um, a wedding um, down the shore yep. in Jersey. So yep, for sure. I love the variety of it. And for the listeners, um, 
who may not be familiar with me playing percussion as well, um, or might not even be from the tri-state area, because I know this is very, uh, like we do it a lot. Like it's almost normal for a DJ company in our area to have a live musician. But I know a lot of DJs and, and out-of-state companies, um, you know, from the West Coast and stuff where they don't really do this, um, or at least don't do it yet. They don't have live musicians. They're like, what do you mean a drummer plays along with the DJ? Or what do you mean a saxophone player plays along? Or electric violin throws them for a complete loop. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, there's, um, I think it's very popular here where we are. But for those listening, uh, basically the concept behind it is that you add a live musician along with the DJ. So your DJ is doing his normal thing, playing his normal sets, you know, nothing changes there. And the live musician is just complimenting and, you know, adding their own flair on top of the DJ's music. Yeah, it's, it's super cool. And it's something that I didn't know was a thing until it kind of became a thing. Um, so just to take a step back, I've been playing sax for about 14, 14 and a half years. I started in fifth grade band because, um, I had played the recorder in fourth grade, you know, that's that, or at least with my school, (laughs) uh, school district, that's kind of there. (laughs) Yeah. That's the instrument that you get started on in fourth grade when you put on the school show, the school play for, um, you know, music class. And I found that, you know, because, because I played the piano from a young age, I've been playing for about 18 or so years. Um, I had the training of reading music and everything and knowing the notes. But um, I remember one time in first grade, my music teacher called me in front of the class. I guess she saw something in me and she had me face the students and um, turn my head away from the piano and she would play just a few notes randomly and I would recite what they were. And at the time I had no idea what that was and how I could use that, but yep. Yep. So that's what (laughs) she told me. Uh, that I have and later knew to be perfect pitch. So in fourth grade, when everybody would be playing the recorder and the songs that we learn on the recorder are, you know, hot cross buns, Mary had a little lamb. I would take the songs that were singing that are obviously more complex songs than songs on the recorder that a fourth grader would learn. Mm -hmm. And I would play them by ear. So uh, whether it be a song from a musical and then like during the holidays, I remember just randomly playing jingle bells or stuff. Right. And, and then I had no idea how I was able to do that, but it kind of just worked. And my ability to have perfect pitch allows me to play by ear on any instrument that I learn. So I realized that the fingerings on the recorder are very similar to the saxophone as in the um, basic notes. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to give the sax a try in fifth grade when uh, we could choose what instrument to play. And then right. from there on, I, I learned, you know, the fundamentals of how to play. And then in band, I did the same thing. I, I would just randomly play songs by ear, not knowing how I could do it, but it kind of just worked out. And then from there, I stayed in band all throughout high school, um, just like just a wind ensemble concert band, not marching band. Mm-hmm. Um, when I went away to school at Rutgers, I mostly played the piano every now and then. I would find practice rooms uh, to just sit and play. But the sax was really something that I picked up every three to four months just because it was loud or I would do it for friends' birthdays or after bars, um, you know, at the bars. Uh, I would pick up the sax at 3 a.m. and go around replaying. So did stuff like that. 
but nothing too serious until um, over the past few years was when I really um, found that there's a market for events and private events and things like that, where I was always, you know, kind of stuck growing up because I knew I had this gift, but I didn't necessarily know how to use it. I didn't see myself as the traditional musician that's going to go on to Berklee College of Music or mm -hmm. go to Juilliard or Carnegie Hall. And I also didn't see myself as a music teacher. And I also didn't see myself becoming the next Bruno Mars. So because of that, I was a little stuck. Um, and then I got to play my first wedding um, because I had a friend's sister reach out to me for cocktail hour piano. I did that, um, loved it, and they also had asked me to uh, kind of fake play the sax for um, walking them walking down the staircase for their grand entrance to the reception. Gotcha. I did that and kind of just felt comfortable with um, the DJ company that uh, they hired, and I stayed on stage and pretty much the whole wedding just played on top of the music, uh, and I you know, I got a microphone from them with a mic stand and everything. And I was playing along to just, you know, pop music, whether it be right. Pitbull, whether it be Bruce Springsteen, whether it be uh, Don't Stop Believing. And I was like, you know what, I can do this in a heartbeat without thinking about it. Uh, and then from there was when I really just started reaching out to as many um, DJs and musicians in the events industry as I could. For sure. And to piggyback off that a little bit, I mean, obviously, um probably most of the listeners know that I own my own event production company, but on the side, I do percussion as well. So for percussion and like you were just saying, uh, reaching out to as many companies as possible is um, very important. And we're, we're considered, you know, like freelance, like a freelance musician or a freelance, um, whatever you want to call it, independent contractor, et cetera. Um, which means that we can work with many different companies, you know, so it's not just one DJ company where you're going to be their resident, you know, saxophone player and stuff. And um, I've never, I don't think I've ever seen necessarily a company that can keep a musician busy enough to actually do that if you wanted to. Have you come across anything like that? Um, not, not really. Uh, and also, I'm not at this point too sure if I would want to, just mm -hmm. because I love building relationships with different companies. And 100%. like I said, I like the variety. So I like exploring as much as I can. Definitely. Yeah, no. And I think that's very uh, important to, um, to keep those relationships and work that because it ultimately will lead to, you know, more income and that kind of thing, because uh, you never know where your next paycheck's going to come from and um, building up those relationships. It could even be for one of their family members, even if it's, you know, maybe just with a florist or something that you're you're loading in or, you know, walking through the back door of a catering hall with your saxophone player and, and the florist is loading in and you just, you know, quickly say hi, introduce yourself. And, you know, you never know that could be a wedding one day or, or something like that. So I think it's very uh, important, but the freelance aspect is um, fun for me. And I've been able to translate that to my business as well um, because I try and make friends with everybody and, and network a lot. Um, in the freelance side, I try and do the same with my company. And I know a lot of companies that are not like that. It's like their company and that's the only way to go, you know, but like I, I try and translate that and vice versa. So people don't, you know, I mean, I have played percussion before and people will tag my company because maybe they don't know I have a percussion page or whatever. Um, but it's like cool to me that we are able to build up that type of relationship where it doesn't um, necessarily matter, you know? 
Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and I've definitely heard both sides in the industry. There's, you know, the people who are siloed and might not want to help other people out, but I've heard mostly, um, from the DJ company side, um, DJs trying to lift each other up, um, for, you know, building that network. So let's say someone needs a speaker for the night, you know, they lend each other stuff like that. That's what I'm trying to do on the musician side too. So I definitely have a few industry friends that I go to with questions and, um, you know, when the time comes when, um, I'm much more experienced at this, I am going to hope that, uh, people come to me who are just starting out, you know, I'm really looking forward to helping people out, you know, sharing my journey and, um, all the things that people have been able to help me in the way. For sure. And now I've got a question for you, um, because it's come up a few times with other companies and, and people asking me as well, will you book yourself? Obviously that's kind of how you started, but it was more of like a friend or family. Um, but will you book yourself, uh, directly with the client or do you require the DJ company that they hire to book you? So I actually do both. I do. Um, I, because I built up my website and built up my Instagram, I do get leads now through there or through friends of friends or whoever just reaching out to me, um, through email or whatever it might be. So I have started to book directly. Um, so because of that, you know, because I'm so mobile as a sax player with a wireless mic, I can be out there with any DJ and I'm compatible with their software. So um, that's definitely what um, I'm doing as well, because it, it's also kind of fun. It's a, another side of things, you know, uh, you get into the client relations instead of the um, colleague relations. It's a, it's a different market. And while there's definitely challenges to it in the long run, it definitely uh, is going to be beneficial. Right now, um, without giving, you know, numbers, do you, you charge more when they book you on your own or are yep. you the same? Yeah, I, I do charge a bit more because I know not every entertainment company charges extra for they should. a sax could player. Say it, but they should. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just because, you know, it is if, you know, your company hires me, it is a liability for you guys if, God forbid, something goes wrong with my equipment or whatever. So right. you guys should make money off booking me. So yeah, it's because of that. <clears throat> Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say I position it just a tad lower than what an entertainment company would offer a client. Okay. As a whole, if that makes sense. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Cause it's interesting. I mean, I've never sold directly to a client. I've had a few people reach out um, and I'll require them to book through the DJs. Um, now, again, because of that whole company relationship thing, and I am friends with a lot of the companies in this area. Usually I could tell them like, you know, Hey, who's your DJ company? Okay. Yeah. They know me, tell them to text me, you know, like that kind of thing. Um, but I usually tell them to book me through them because then they, they have all the details, they have all the timeline, they know everything. And then they just are booking me to come in and play. Um, so that's kind of how I've handled it just to keep it a little easier on myself. I also know, I mean, there's a few that were like, why would you sell on your own? You know, because then it, it then it becomes like weird for them. It puts them in a weird situation. And I don't see that. Um, but they they see it as like, okay, well, now we're in a weird spot because the client could just go book you on their own, or they could book you through us. And that, I guess it depends on how the entertainment company is selling it. Because if they're selling you as um, the essential Jason Nelson, versus if they're just selling you as a sax player, 
Uh, right. Because I guess if they're selling you as you, then the client could go search you, reach out to you, and then maybe you come in a little cheaper or whatever and just book you directly. Um, or if they're just selling you as a sax player and you happen to be the one there, um, maybe that's the difference that they, they see. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. If I, I should say that if the referral comes um, for, directly from the DJ company, let's say, because um, I, I, I usually ask how uh, did you right. come across my Instagram page or contact information, if they say X DJ company that I work with, or even a company that I don't, I would talk to that DJ company first if I didn't work with them and say, hey, would love to work together in the future. Have this person reach out to me. Thanks for recommending me. Um, but let's say it's just a cold lead. They were searching wedding sax player on Google, something like that. Um, you know, that would be my booking. Hey guys, sorry to interrupt the podcast real quick. Just wanted to make sure you guys are following us on Instagram at re underscore and underscore friends so you could stay up to date with all our newest episodes as well as watch our Instagram stories to see who's coming up next. So let's talk, let's dive in and talk a little bit about um, doing what you love. I know we were on the, the phone and both kind of <laughs> agreed on this topic and we're talking about this topic, you know, about... Um, finding a way to make a career out of what you love. And I think there's always a way to do that. Um, and, you know, here's two cases right here of, of doing what you love and making a career out of it. And we were talking a little bit too about um, kind of like living within your means. So, you know, you can, if, if the thing you love might not be, uh, I don't know, some kind of crazy surgeon that's going to be paying crazy numbers, you know, it's like you can adjust the way you live so that you're happy and do what you love. Um, so for you, what does that, what does that mean? So for me, that's literally as of right now, um, that means just being able to afford the few expenses that I do have, um, and be able to in myself. So I never feel that an event I play is work to me. Um, even a networking event, a zoom call, um, an email, none of that is work to me because I love it and I'm really, really excited for the future and just trying to play and perform um, right. and get out there as much as I can. Um, so in the past, I, I should say that um, my mindset in college was not the same mindset that it was now in terms of work ethic. All I wanted to do was, I, I went to Rutgers, was get good grades, which I did, but get good grades and do it while having the freedom to do whatever the hell I wanted with friends. So whether it be sure. going out during the week, going out on the weekend, going to the mall, going to a Mets game, whatever the case might be, my personal life always came first. Um, and always looked that weekend. Even when I started getting into internships and jobs, I would still be like, ah, Monday through Friday sucks. I can't wait for Friday 5 p.m. And now I don't say that. Because now I'd rather work my, I don't know if I could curse on this, but my ass sure. and ass off <laughs> on the weekend and, you know, be able to scale it back and focus on me during the week. Um, maybe, I, I don't want to say I'm outgrown of the party stuff because there's definitely, um, once this stuff ends, I'm really going to want to get back out there and especially <laughs> play gigs. And, you know, play the sax at bars and clubs that I love going out at. Um, but it's definitely a level of 
the balance between the two. And like I said, it, do, it does not feel like work to me at all. 100%. I think that's very important. Like you said, having the balance is also important. Can't be all work, no play. Um, but when you love what you do, it's a lot easier to um, kind of work more than probably the average person. And um, something I've always kind of stood by too is like, if you live for the weekends, um, something's wrong. You know, like if you live for the weekends and live for those vacations, then like you're not doing what you love. And, uh, you know, you might want to reconsider that because, um, Obviously, our industry, I think, is a little different. Obviously, we have events on the weekends. So we look forward to the weekends because we're working. But most mm-hmm. people, when I say that, you know, I'm referring to it in the sense that people look forward to the weekends because it's time off and they don't have to work. And they look forward to vacations because they don't have to work. Um, so it's one of those things where, like, you know, obviously, I love what I do, too. And even when I'm doing stuff during the week that might be considered work editing videos or making advertisements or social media or whatever, but that stuff's all fun to me. Um, Like TikTok is technically working, like we're creating content and working to build our brand and business, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't feel like it. It's it's fun, you know, and and when you love what you do and you love what you're creating, um, I think that's definitely the case. I, I agree. Have you ever seen the uh, viral Gary, Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk video where he talks about, um, embracing Mondays. Um, uh, probably I consume a lot of his content, so I've <laughs> probably seen it at some point. <laughs> it was, it was from a bunch of years ago and a bunch of years ago when I didn't have the mindset of events that I do now and doing mm-hmm. what I love when I was kind of stuck in figuring out, um, my passion, I would see that video and he would go, why does everybody hate Mondays? I love Mondays. And I would see that and go, I hate Mondays, but I like your mindset. How do I change? Um, And then it just kind of evolved over time. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, that's one of those things too. Like, obviously I love doing events. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday are like the best days to me. Um, Mm -hmm. But I don't look down on Monday mornings. I like going back to the office Monday and getting more work done, booking more clients, working on social media, growing the brand, that kind of stuff. Um, So it's tough though, because also in this industry, um, like we were saying, balance is important, but in this industry, it's very hard to do that. Um, because in order to do it full-time, there's a lot of work that's required during the week, Monday to Friday. If you're doing corporate events, there's a lot of corporate events that happen Monday to Friday, especially around the holiday season and stuff. Um, so you've got that. And now on top of that, you have to juggle doing events on the weekend, you know, and, um, I, I would assume for you, if, if you've got a four hour wedding reception, I guess, cocktail hour and ceremony aside, if you're just doing the reception, um, that's probably what, maybe five and a half hours out of your day that you actually lose between travel and then playing the gig and then just leaving. Oh, at least, um, usually, usually a wedding venue. Um, I play a lot of the North Jersey ones. Um, off route 80. So I would say on average, about 45 minutes or so is the drive time one way. Um, So I'll leave, let's say, four, four, five ish, and I won't get home till like, after midnight, a lot of the times. So yeah, it is it is definitely an ordeal. Um, Definitely less than uh, the sound guys and the DJ, you know, uh, so I give a lot of credit to people like you guys at, at this stage, that's something that I'm, you know, not ready to take on that much responsibility yet because it's nice to be able to play, um, on a Saturday, a day gig and a night gig too. Um, and right. not really have to worry about 
that much um, setting up and breakdown time. So 100%. that's always good. Yeah, well, that's what's nice for you. you. Throw your saxophone in a case and what, take the mouthpiece off. And that's, that's kind of it. <laughs> so for, I mean, even Basically. for me, like I look forward to, uh, you know, and I, I love doing both. So I don't want to put uh, a negative on the actual like DJing and sound side, but I look forward to when I just have to play percussion for another company because yep. it's a lot easier. You know, I show up later than I would if I was the DJ. Um, and then when I'm done, I just pack up my drums and leave. But packing up my drums is still a 15, 20 minute process to get them all packed and loaded in my car, um, which is longer than, you know, I, I assume if you wanted to bounce out of there within five minutes after the reception, you probably could, you know? Um, yep. So it's one of those things, whereas like when I, I guess what I was getting at too, is like you said, with the DJ companies and the sound companies, um, you know, it's, it's at least for a six hour wedding between ceremony, cocktail and reception. Um, it's probably at least like a 10 hour day, if not more, depending on how far it is, because, you know, you got to get to the warehouse and load the equipment into the van. Then you got to drive to the job, load in and set up what you get there at least, you know, two hours before, then you got to do the whole gig. And then you got to break down, which is at least like an hour and then drive back and unload into the warehouse. You know, it's a lot more than, uh, than the musician side. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. And I forget what uh, DJ friend I was talking to, but it was probably back in like uh, December, January. Someone was telling me that they had to um, break down. Um, it ended really late, like one, two in the morning mm -hmm. and they barely went to sleep the next morning because they had some sort of event, um, the next morning, maybe starting at like 11 or 12. So they had to be up real early to set up. Yep. Um, yeah, so we've I, done those. I feel for that. <laughs> we've done those. We've done, um, we had one mitzvah that ended at two in the morning. Yeah, and ended at two we had a bunch of pipe and drape and it was a it was a production one furniture and stuff like that uh, by the time we got back to the warehouse it was about five o'clock um unloaded finished folding drape getting everything done and stuff i mean i think i left the warehouse at like 6 30 7 o'clock i stopped and got a bagel on my way home luckily i didn't <laughs> have another job after that but still it was one of those long nights i didn't have a job till that that night um so i got a few hours of sleep but we've done those ones too where we're you know, out at a wedding till 12, one o'clock. And then we've got a daytime thing the next, the next morning, you know, and if you have an 11 o'clock ceremony, uh, that means getting there by nine, which means leaving the warehouse by eight 30, which means getting to the warehouse by eight. Um, and then by the time you wake up shower, I mean, there, it kills your whole day. And that's, I guess also what I was getting at with, um, between balancing, you know, the week and the weekend, uh, when you are doing this full time is there's a lot of marketing and work that goes in during the week to get those weekend jobs and then you're on out on the weekend jobs. It's like, there's not much time elsewhere unless you actually take a day off and, and not take an event. Um, and it's, you know, the same one when I'm doing work at the shop too, and, and we're prepping for stuff. It's like, unless I actually take a day off and just like, don't go in and I have someone else do that work that needs to get done. Um, Otherwise, I lose my whole day, you know, and it's uh, on the weekends too often, even if it's just a, a 3 p.m. load up, I'll leave my house by 12 to get there um, and just, you know, get a little more done at the office or if I got to, you know, prep some stuff or get some paperwork done or whatever it is just before we head out for the job, you know. I, I agree. Um, I am one of those people and all my uh, DJ and musician uh, friends know this about me. I answer shit right away. Uh, emails and texts, and it's a blessing and a curse. Um, I was actually thinking about this yesterday, and it's something that 
um, if we're still in quarantine in like another month, once the weather gets really nice um, on a weekend, mm -hmm. I'm just going to literally leave my phone in my dresser or something mm -hmm. and not touch it for the whole entire day. And it's going to be so aggravating because I know that there's going to be someone hitting me up, whether it be a friend, whether it be, um, you know, something for a job, whether it be a client, um, I'm going to want to answer it right away, but I think it definitely is going to be helpful, especially to get that time to just be outside and chill. hundred percent. It's, it's funny you brought that up because, um, I'm, I try and be responsive, but to be completely transparent, a lot of my texts and Facebook messenger for me is the worst because <laughs> everyone that watches my YouTube videos thinks that I'm tech support for the companies that I'm making videos on. And I get right. an unbelievable amount of like, but like they're, they're paragraphs and paragraphs of stuff. So like I see it come in and I'm like, okay, I don't have time to read through that right now. I'm working on something else. It goes to the side. And sometimes, I mean, I, it takes me like a week to answer some of those messages. And then occasionally like an important one or someone that I'm going back and forth with through Facebook Messenger is like buried in there and gets lost. And I'm like, I feel so bad for, you know, for not responding right away. And um, the same thing kind of happens with text between like group messages and stuff. I try and turn all my group message uh, notifications off because they just go off like all day. And um, it's, you know, crazy. But I was saying recently too, especially because like none of the stuff I'm doing has deadlines. Like when I'm at the shop and I'm working on something and we have to get something done by a certain time, it's easier for me to feel a vibration of my phone and not look at it. But, um, you know, like when I'm here and it like my phone rings or, or I get a notification, I'm like, yeah, let me open it up and see what it is. Oh, someone commented on my post. Oh, someone like this. Let me see what, it, you know, like that kind of thing. And um, I find myself that I'm getting further behind on the stuff that doesn't even have deadlines, but I'm behind on it, you know, yep. and it, I've been saying the same thing. Like I've recently turned some of my social media notifications off on my phone because seeing that little red, you know, number one in the top right corner, I just like, I just find myself clicking on it. But then when I go there, I clear that notification, I respond to it or whatever. And then I find myself just scrolling for five minutes and it just keeps adding up, you know? So I'm trying to, um, turn those notifications off and get away from it while I can to just get other stuff done. Um, but I know like as soon as we're back in business per se, uh, I need to keep that stuff on because I do have clients or important things that might reach out to me there. Um, and, you know, even coordinating with other vendors and stuff. I mean, there are people who have booked me for percussion or something and then they lose my phone number. So the only contact they have for me is Instagram and they're, you know, trying to reach out to me like, Oh, Hey, uh, running late or hey we're doing this or hey we got here come in the back of the venue or whatever and it's like if i don't have my instagram dm messages you know on my home screen i won't see that or know that you know so it's one of those things where um it is very important especially in today's day and age i think people especially clients for client relationships just that that instant response you know like when we get a lead in the website they get a response within like 10 or 15 minutes via email you know yeah absolutely and i think um that's that's just the expectation now with technology. Um, it's the expectation with customer support. If um, you're on, I, I don't know, a random website like Best Buy. Does, does anybody use Best Buy anymore? But you, you know what I mean. You contact a company's Facebook page or just their live chat, and you get a response like that. And if you don't, you move like as a customer. You're trained to just be like, hey, yeah. I actually did it yesterday. Um, I bought a sax case online, and same product. Um, they had it Guitar Center online, and they had it at this 
company called Woodwind and Brasswind. It's a website. Yep. Um, and Guitar Center, I asked for two questions um, on my chat, or I basically just linked the product and said, hey, have a question about this. Um, uh, thanks. Guitar Center, no one got back to me. And the Woodwind and Brasswind got back to me after like four minutes. Hmm. Um, and I ended up buying from them instead. So. Yep. Yeah, well, no, it's very important. And even um, like text too. And that's something, you know, I mean, i be completely honest, I got to um, get better with, but, you know, even with text and stuff too, if I see a text come in and I know it's something that I got to look into or check a date, if someone reaches out to me for percussion and I got to check a date, but I'm like loading in or I'm busy doing something else, um, I'll often wait to open it. Cause if I open it, I don't want to like forget to check the date if I know I can't check it right now. Yep. And, um, but it's one of those things where same with that, you know, if somebody, if a DJ company knows three saxophone players or three percussionists, they might text all three or they might text me, but then I don't answer for two hours because I'm loading in. But within that two hours, they're like, all right, let me ask someone else because I, I don't want to lose the, you know, the date and I already booked it for the bride. And then they might reach out to somebody else and be like, oh, we already got it covered or that kind of thing. Um, so I think it's very important to, you know, give that instant response, whether it's a client direct you know a bride and groom or whatever it may be or a dj company client you know i i agree um response is definitely definitely something that's crucial in this day and age and it's something that honestly comes natural to me too um especially with instagram i i think the first time i reached out to you was probably instagram, yep, um, instagram. it's just it's just I'm on it so often and, you know, I'm DMing friends on it or replying to their story and saying like, hey, hope all is well or yeah. just sending them a funny meme or anything like that. It's just so natural um, to respond very quickly, at least for me. Um, so I definitely use that resource to um, build my brand on it and then um, reach out to other companies and musicians and industry professionals on it too. Definitely. And yeah, we're getting towards the end here, but let's talk a few minutes about um, that a little off topic, but I mean, Instagram is by far my favorite platform. Um, super powerful when it comes to networking and connecting with new people. Um, and like you mentioned, that's how, you know, we kind of found each other um, through Instagram, but Instagram's fantastic for that stuff because it's so powerful to be able to go to a search bar, type in, hashtag Long Island DJs and go follow accounts or just like posts and comment and engage, you know, or New Jersey DJs or whatever market you're trying to get into. Like if you're baking, um, search, you know, cool cakes, like hashtag cool cakes and you just engage with that stuff and you're going to get connections naturally. And then like you said, you just DM people. Um, it's an easy way to stay connected because you see those stories and you just reply like, Oh, nice new car, you know, that kind of thing. Yep. It just keeps you relevant. Um, and then they might say, Oh, uh, thanks, Jason. I haven't seen you in a while. Click to your profile and then be like, Oh crap, you're doing weddings. I'm getting married next year. Like, you know, like, and, uh, you never know what it's going to lead to. And, um, I think that's super powerful that that platform, is that your favorite social media platform as well? <laughs> yeah, but by far and who knows how long it's going to last. Um, until the next big thing comes in and takes it over. But um, in terms of Instagram growth, it, I don't have a crazy amount of followers. You know, I'm not nearly where, um, you know, I could be and I see myself eventually becoming. But um, in just, you know, a little over a year, all I used to post, um, you know, a while ago would just be cover videos on the piano. Um, 
very not great um, lighting quality and sound quality and everything. And um, I wouldn't really see results from it as in, you know, messaging and talking to the people that I wanted to. And then it wasn't until I actually branded myself as an entertainer, event performer, whatever you want to mm -hmm. call me, that and you know started actually documenting my journey and experience instead of putting out something that was already out there that's when i started seeing results and it's been it's been really cool a Definitely. lot of i i will say for anybody listening that is looking to network on instagram um it is astonishing at how many people actually do take the time to answer and especially now during this time period that everybody's glued to their phones now is the best time so while two chains might not get back to you um about checking out your new single um a local artist or producer in your town or um a venue owner might be willing to put you on for the night you know mm -hmm. you, you never know definitely and you know to piggyback off that a little bit um you were you know talking about two chains not necessarily answering but if you reach out to 10 big guys all it takes is one of them to actually yep. see and respond to your message that could be life-changing um and depending on what you're marketing or who you're trying to reach out to um different dj companies i mean how long does it really take to send 20 messages to 20 different dj companies and i'm not talking copy and paste you personalize it a little bit you know um go to their recent post and be like hey i just saw you guys were at venetian in jersey i, I love that venue blah 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 i play there a lot you know i play sax blah 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 and then go into the whole thing and um that little connection is more likely to make them respond too and it doesn't seem like a, a bot is just you know shooting out a bunch of emails to them um but i think it's super you know important to take a few hours a day or an hour even um and you know i mean i have a few instagram accounts between all the different brands and stuff so i try and divide up you know i take a couple hours every night and divide it up between all the accounts and uh you know do that and and search hashtags and like posts comment on posts engage with people send dms um because it is really important and we've even used that to then further the communication because when you do go after some bigger clients um at least i guess for for our side for corporate stuff if we're trying to reach out to coke or pepsi or you know some larger brands uh instagram's not going to be the proper place for communication but that's where we can get the proper email for the person who we do want to talk to um so it's you know a great way where we could send out 20 messages to you know 20 different large companies and all we need is two of them to respond with an email or a phone number directly to their marketing department and and then we take it from there um but i absolutely love that platform and i, uh, I agree to piggyback off that there's a lot of other great platforms um tiktok we mentioned briefly earlier which you've put up a lot of videos on i've put up a handful but not that many I, i've never i don't think i've ever put out more than one in a day <laughs> i just it takes so much time by the time i record my drums and i can't i can't just post them right in tiktok i have to do it externally through my computer because i have to mic the drums and record them and i can't use the original tiktok audio i gotta you know add i gotta save that audio and import it into logic and mix it with my drums and then bounce it back out and then put it in final cut to line it up with the video and it's this big process for me trying to do it with the drums so i try and uh, put out as much as possible but great platform um and i'm curious to hear what you think about it too um I don't think it's going to last 
as long as something like Instagram and Facebook. I just don't think there's enough room for change. And I don't think there's enough room for it to adapt. Um, and the biggest problem I have with it is, you know, Instagram to get a large following um, takes a lot of work and time to do that unless you buy followers, which is doing nothing for you. Because when I go no. to an account and I see 12,000 followers or more, and your mm -hmm. posts aren't getting more than 100 likes, I know you bought followers because if you gain those followers and they're actually interested in what you were doing, you would have more than 100 likes, you know? And it's one of those things where organic numbers are way more important. I'd rather have 2,000 people that all actually like and engage with my stuff than 12,000 and, you know, 10,000 of them are from a different country, not even interested in what I'm doing, you know? And um, I think that's super important. But the problem I have with TikTok is that it's very easy to become whatever TikTok famous. It's very easy to get your video in front of several hundred people. And it just, you know, it takes putting out a lot of content and all you need is one of them to kind of hit and get shared by people because of the way their algorithm works, it shows it to more people based on how many likes and, and interactions and comments and shares you get. So the problem I have with that is I think there's only a certain point that's going to be reached where everyone's almost like TikTok famous and everyone's just in front of everyone. Um, whereas Instagram, I think that's the thing is there's a constant like hustle to get bigger and better. Um, whereas I think with TikTok, it's going to plateau at some point. Um, but I'm curious to hear what you think about that platform. Yeah, I think, I think right now it's definitely in the now, especially during this COVID time. So while I've been telling friends to get on there, even though I didn't post as much as I would like to six months ago, because I'm a follower of Gary Vaynerchuk, he has been talking about TikTok, TikTok, TikTok for a few years now. Yeah. Um, and it's definitely over the course of COVID, I've seen friends um, that normally wouldn't post any sort of creative video start creating. So it's becoming yep. a little bit more normal. I do think, um, and I should say that I really love how it's encouraging people to be creative again and think outside the box, especially the youth, the kids in middle school and yep. high school are, you know, coming up with stuff, concepts and uh, campaigns that I would never even think of. But I do think at a certain point, how many dancing videos, how many cover videos, how many uh, skits of the same thing can you see? So um, I like that you can link your Instagram and YouTube there mm -hmm. because that's definitely how a lot of people discover it and then grow a following, grow a brand to eventually do something else. And I think for, sure. for some of the big people on there, I mean, Charlie is, you know, 50 million right yeah. now. Addison, Addison Ray, yeah. Addison's got 35. I watched or listened, I forget, to an interview where she was talking about how she has dreams of being an actress. And the truth is she will. Whether or not TikTok stays, she has 35 million followers. And yep. yes, she has a YouTube page, nothing crazy, but people are so um, you know, attached to her now and relate so much to her that she can eventually take whatever she wants to do in life and grow that to something else after TikTok. And you know, with, with Vine, people like Cameron Dallas, Nash Greer, uh, Jake and Logan Paul, you know, where did they start on Vine? I think so. You know, they were able to do other stuff because of one platform. So I think, I think in a few years, maybe, maybe two, it'll, 
it'll yeah. start dying down. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. And I see. And like you said, I mean, it's right now, it is the thing. It's, you, you know, you should be on it. Um, even if you're, and, and you got to find your, um, your space within it, you know, it's, it's not, you know, if you're not a 14 year old girl, you're probably not going to go on there and post dancing videos. Um, you know, it's, it's, if you're really good at saxophone, you're going to play saxophone. If you're good at percussion, you're going to play percussion. If you're a motivational speaker like Gary, I mean, he just goes on there and talks, you know, and he's got a lot of followers and, and views and stuff too. And I think it's important to kind of, you know, stay in your lane because that platform, there are a bunch of different audiences. And, uh, if you stay consistent with what you're putting out, you'll grow on there. And it's amazing how quickly you can get in front of so many people on there and new people can see your brand uh, just based on how their algorithm works. So don't get me wrong. I think it's a great platform. Um, I just don't see enough change. Like where can they go with it? You know, I, I, I see change in Instagram. I see updates like they had, uh, you know, Instagram stories a while ago and like there's, there's room for growth there to evolve the platform and keep it new and fresh for people. And I just don't see that with TikTok. I don't know. Well, they are, I should say, definitely starting to monetize a lot more. Um, they are doing deals with brands and right. creators and all that kind of stuff. So there's sponsored videos where someone like Addison will either wear something or David Dobrik will take, um, I don't know, Windex and spray it on his thing. Yep. You know, when there, there's just so much you can do with um, that sponsored content element. So I think, you know, over the next few years that TikTok um, remains pretty popular, it's going to be more and more and more ads because the more viewers on there, the more eyeballs and, you know, the more ad dollars. 100%. And I think that's the problem too, is that's going to, kind of scare people and push people off the platform because there'll be a new one by that point um, that doesn't have as many ads and people are going to rather be on that. Our generation doesn't like to be sold to. They don't like seeing ads and it's just, it's the same thing. Like, you know, like if you post that picture that's behind you, I mean, the listeners can't hear it, but if you post like a Photoshop graphic that looks like an advertisement or like whatever, and you just post that on your Instagram feed, I mean, it's, I've never gone to a page where that does the same as like a portrait photo of you or something that's telling your story. It just doesn't. Absolutely. People don't engage with that as much. And we just, we ignore it when we scroll through our feeds. And, you know, it's the same with TikTok. I, I find myself scrolling through the For You page less and less. Because it literally the other day I went on and I swiped six times and all I saw was Addison on my for you page. I'm like, I don't like I, I get it. Okay, like, I, I don't want to see that anymore. I want to see these cool, unique ones or these new accounts and that kind of stuff. Um, so I think it's going to get, you know, bored in people's feeds as well. Um, as those ads start to grow, but Cool, man. Well, we're just going to wrap up here. We're about towards the end. Really appreciate cool. your time joining me on this podcast. Thank you. This is this has been awesome. Uh, is it cool if I uh, say one more little thing? Absolutely. So right now, um, for the past few weeks, I have been doing virtual Zoom and FaceTime surprise sacks, happy birthday grams. Um, so I've been setting this up with uh, people who reach out, a lot of family and friends, but uh, I posted on LinkedIn too, and it's crazy. I've gotten people from all over the U.S. Uh, not not too many on LinkedIn, a lot through uh, Instagram. But uh, it's been really cool to literally just pop into their family Zoom call uh, if their dad or something has a birthday, and just literally put on um, a few colored beads and sunglasses and play Happy Birthday and surprise. So 
I'm doing this for free right now um, just because I love it so much. So if anybody listening is uh, interested, I definitely now have the time <laughs> because I'm home. That's awesome. So uh, definitely going to keep doing that. Love that. Yeah, I love to hear those uh, those creative and, and unique ideas that people are doing paid and on unpaid because it's it's also that brand awareness yep. thing where although it might not pay right now, um, they might remember you when they get married or when they have a kid's birthday or whatever. Uh, and it might ultimately, you know, lead to a paycheck. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that happens stuff. to you, um, you know, with referrals and friends and friends, I'm going to keep you in mind or, you know, when my daughter eventually gets married, you know, all that kind of stuff. For sure. Love Definitely. It. Cool, man. Well, lastly, before we hop off here, uh, anyone who's listening who wants to check you out, uh, play in saxophone, play in piano, or connect with you, shoot you a message, or if they're interested in that, where can they do so? You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Um, Essential Jason Nelson is my handle. And you can also find me on my website at www.essentialjasonnelson.com. And you can shoot me an email at essentialjasonnelson at gmail.com. Awesome. Well, Jason, I appreciate your time. Thank you for joining me. Awesome. Thanks so much, Brandon. This has been fun. My pleasure. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of the RE and Friends podcast. We truly hope that we were able to bring value. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please share it with your friends. It would mean the world to us. Also, make sure to stay tuned for the next Red Max Events audio experience.